Welcome to Ignite Your Business radio show. Light the match, throw some gasoline on, and buckle up because we're about to take your business to the next level. I'm your host, Josh Wilhelm. In 2018, the jewelry industry in the United States generated almost $40 billion in revenue. According to a report from 2019, the global jewelry industry is projected to reach $480 billion by 2025. I don't know about you, but it seems like jewelry trade is a diamond in the rough, if you will. Sorry for the corny joke there. The jewelry industry is an example of something timeless. The first example of jewelry that historians have discovered was from 115,000 years ago. Jewelry is a great way for people to show their culture, and it's an outward fashion, no pun intended. Also, it can be used to denote the social status of a person. Years ago, rings would tell you a person's rank in society. Now you can look at a ring on a person's hand and see if they're married rather than if they are a general in the army. This is just one example of how jewelry has evolved over time. Our guest today is not just a jeweler, but also a veteran. Veteran-owned business account for $1.22 trillion in revenue annually in our country and employ nearly 6 million people. Interestingly, veteran-owned businesses are run by managers and CEOs approximately 10 years younger than their non-veteran industry counterparts. Today, we're thrilled to be speaking with a veteran about his jewelry business. The Ignite Your Business radio show is proud to introduce Paul quote-unquote Anvil, a.k.a. Anvil, O'Keefe. Paul, first, I want to start by thanking you for your service in the military. It's also a great pleasure to have you on the show with us today. Welcome. Well, thank you. You know, it was the uh, best time of my life, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I I love hearing that from people when they when they thank veterans for their service, but you know what? It's uh, whether someone thanked me or not for it, it was, it was something that I wanted to do, and I, I really enjoyed it. Well, certainly I understand people do not join and sign up for the Army simply to get accolades after they get out and become a veteran at that point and say, well, I only joined because I wanted people to come around and say thank sure. you. So I, I totally understand that. stuff and thank Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also, too, in your particular case, you have a family that's tied to you. And as you even went through the surface, uh, you had a family. And so with that, I want to thank your family as well. I know they're not here for the show today, but uh, coming from a military family background myself, I fully understand the commitment. It's not just on you, the service person, but it's also the family that's tied to you that has to go through the same things, either traveling with having to move, pick up everything and relocate. So there's a lot to it. So I, I thank your family. Thank your family and you as know well what? for us. Thank you. And, and I'll give a big shout out to my mom if I can. She was with my dad for 30 years while he served and took care of me and and my sister. So what you're saying means so much to a lot of people because we all serve in some way in those, in those communities. So true. So true. All right. So let's get underway. Let's, let's have you tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. Uh, My name is Paul O'Keefe. As you, as you said in the intro, a lot of people know me as Anvil or the Anvil, and that comes from uh, my nickname and MMA. Uh, but right now, I, I 
am one of the owners of Metal Urgency Jewelry. Uh, we have a very talented team of individuals that uh, come together and, and we put our minds together and we create things. Uh, I have a partner that's a designer with me. Me and him design everything together and then the rest of the folks kind of do the production and you know all of the paperwork and things that keep the ball rolling. Uh, we create art and jewelry that tells a story of triumph and, and victory. And we give back to wounded veterans and first responders in need and also to worthy causes within the community. Great. And I want to point out, too, that just like in the military, it's not just a single individual. You know, I, I'm wearing yeah. a Captain America shirt today. Sure. Um, and that's in the movies. Captain America comes in, does all that he needs to do, yeah. and everyone's good. Uh, just like in the military, you've got an entire team, but you also have a team that supports you, obviously, with your company. Um, yes, and and I, I want to hint at, because it might seem like we're glossing over one little nugget that you kind of just, you know, it, it, my apologies for the, the pun with military, but you just kind of seem to throw a grenade over, which was uh, the, your history in the MMA uh, world, which I, I want to touch upon here. Uh, okay, so... I, I'm guessing right now, people listening to this are going, wait, 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 wait a second. Did he say really MMA fighter and that his name was Anvil? So, yes, there are people Googling as we speak that are looking up your name to see the pictures and the, any of the video. But your career sure. as an MMA fighter, uh, we find this very interesting that not too many characters come across our virtual seat like you're in and have the ability to tout the fact and title that they themselves were MMA fighters. Uh, so you were, in fact, a mixed martial arts fighter. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, sir. I, I fought uh, professionally when I got out of the service uh, for about seven years. Um, I had I had a good career. I wasn't, you know, there's a lot of real talent out there now that starts younger, learning different, you know, different martial arts, whether it's wrestling or jujitsu or kickboxing. And they start much earlier and they, they really put a lot of skills together by the time they hit, you know, the amateur and professional ranks. I just did it just, you know, on a whim kind of outside of the military. And I was big and dumb enough to not get knocked out and to be able to, you know, win a few here, lose a few there. And it was, it was a good time. I, I did it so I didn't have to work. Well, I, I appreciate you going on to clarify that uh, certainly for anyone that is not familiar with the MMA world, it is not something that you just kind of stroll into. No. Uh, however, I do know that there's an interesting story of how you in particular got involved with MMA. Would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. You know, I, I had a good buddy and I still do a really, really good friend of mine, uh, training partner. We were working together at a bar. Uh, he was managing the security side. I was managing the, the bar itself. And he was taking a fight in Denver, a uh, pro fight. So he had the fight locked up. I was helping him train for it. Um, and another heavyweight fighter fell off of the card. He couldn't, couldn't make the card. So the promoter called my buddy Victor and said, hey, do you know anyone that would take this fight? Uh, you know, it's against this kid. He's got four or five fights. He's pretty decent, but he's undersized for the heavyweight division. Do you have anyone out there that would fight him? 
And my buddy Victor probably told them yes before he ever asked me. Um, but he came to work and he's like, hey man, I got this, I got this deal for you. You can make, you know, a few thousand dollars and we can go up to Denver and get all of our expenses paid. And all you have to do is fight this kid that's not as big as you. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I get to go smash some guy. They're gonna give me money for it and they're gonna feed us. Let's do it. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. To be honest, I, I had done combatives in the military at a pretty high level. Um, you know, I'd, I'd wrestled and, and trained before, uh, but I, I didn't know what I was getting into in the professional MMA world. So that, that first fight was a real eye opener, but in a good way because it made me hungry to want to get back in there and train and keep doing that. Interesting. Okay, so you go from MMA fighter into then jewelry, or how did how did that come yeah. about? How did you how did you go from MMA uh, tearing people's heads off, not not literally, but uh, sure, uh, you, you kind of you were in that zone to do so if you could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But how did you go from that then into the jewelry industry? Okay, so in two thousand in two thousand nine. My fighting career was coming probably close to its end. In 2009, I was getting ready for a fight and I went into my pre-fight physical and when they were doing my hernia check, uh, the doctor kind of looked up at me and he said, you have cancer. Oh. And, I, and, and I, he said it very matter-of-factly. He said, he said, Paul, you have cancer, you can't fight. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, you have testicular cancer. I need to call Dr. Simon Sini, who's a urologist out here and a surgeon. I need to call him right now. We need to get you into surgery. Wow. And I, I thought I was sore in that groin area from training, from wrestling and getting knee sure. and kicks. Um, I, did I did, in fact, have cancer, and it was spreading a little bit. So two days later, I was in surgery. I had... Uh, one of my boys removed and went through cancer treatment. And that stopped my career in 2009. So I didn't know what I was gonna do at that point. And I, I had friends that were sponsored by a company called Knight Rider Jewelry. Very, very good outfit out here in Scottsdale. They make beautiful works of art. And I knew about this company, Knight Rider. And I knew they made silver and gold and biker jewelry and a couple fighters that I knew and respected wore their stuff. So I made a trip to their store in Scottsdale uh, and met their manager and asked them if they had any work. I wanted to be a designer, which I'm doing now. I wanted to be a designer, but I asked if they had any work and they had a part-time position in the store. Uh, so I figured that was my way in. Uh, Took that job, moved into an assistant manager's position pretty quickly after that. I think that's due to my military background and just working hard and showing up on time and doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, and after working in the store and learning how to sell this product, um, I, they gave me an opportunity to go on the road to all the bike shows around the country and, and uh, different cruises and things that raise money for bikers and kidney dialysis. And I got to 
really see what this world of like men's heavy jewelry was all about. And I really grew to love it. And, you know, it, I'm very creative anyway. I'm, I've always been an artist. So I always wanted to do more with it. And that kind of led me down the road to where I am now uh, doing my own thing. Okay. So I, you and I, like we've talked about, have, have had conversations outside of today. Uh, I, I'd like you to share with us a couple stories that you shared with me just the other day that I just found very interesting and also humorous at the same time. Uh, one of those happened to be with, I think, your girlfriend at the time somehow was involved in this process of you uh, entering in and having interest in getting into the industry. So I was, I was dating a gal from San Diego um, and I looked at this jewelry and I took her in to look at it. And, the, you know, it's not the kind of jewelry you would buy for a girl. Now, now it is. They've evolved. They, they sure. make really high-end diamond and gold stuff now that's just beautiful and you can use for, like, wedding rings and stuff. But back then it was more chunky skulls and, you know, things like that. So I took her in there to look at this jewelry because I was like, hey, look at this. This, this is art. And she, she thought it was right up my alley. She's like, you know, you need to, you need to be a part of this company somehow, some way. And she kind of pushed me towards that because I don't think she wanted me to fight, to tell you the truth. <laughs> sure. and, and, you know, we didn't, we, we had our time together. We were together for a little while, but, you know, ultimately that relationship didn't work out. But she kind of pushed me towards trying to pursue this, you know, this jewelry world with Knight Rider and, you know, now, now for myself and, you know, for our company. That, that is dangerous territory, my friend. You get yeah. your girlfriend in the car, say, hey, we're going to go check out a, a jewelry store. I'm yeah. sure her mind was going a million miles a minute at that point with leaving out any facts about, well, it's not that kind of jewelry store. This is kind of, yeah. uh, uh, she probably was getting a little bit of her hopes up, but then uh, quickly figured out. I think she was out. a little bit, she was a little bit shocked that we didn't go to like Tiffany's or yes. K Jewelers or something like that. And that's okay. <laughs> All right. So you get to the jewelry store. It was uh, everyone at Knight Rider right off the bat uh, welcoming you with open arms? For for the most part, uh, the, the store manager, uh, Dave, he, he was awesome. He, me and him hit it off. He was a former law enforcement guy. When we had conversations, it just clicked. His brother's, his brother's a force recon Marine. So me and him hit it off real well. Sure. Um, the... The other manager at the time, uh, his name was Jimmy, Jimmy the jeweler. He is now my current <laughs> partner with Metal Urgency. He was dead set against hiring me. He did not want to hire me. He didn't think that I fit uh, the mold. Uh, you know, they, they sold to upscale rock stars and the Scottsdale crowd. And I think Jimmy at the time was a little bit intimidated by me. Because I was walking around at like 305 pounds. Uh, I had a bigger beard back then. And I just don't think he understood who I was as a human. And he, he told me many times after, you know, I was successful with the company, I didn't want to hire you. My vote was no. I wanted to hire this, this other gal. And I'm really glad we did because, you know, everything works out for a reason. So, yeah, half, half the people wanted me, half the people didn't. 
All right, so I want to paint the picture for all of those that are listening and not fortunate enough to be able to see you in in the real life setting uh, because you are a very animated character, uh, not just when you talk, but also just your personality just exudes. I dressed up you. for you today, man. I, I appreciate that. So just uh, to kind of give a description of what Paul looks like, uh, take a normal human being male's neck and spread that by two. That is essentially the size of uh, his being Paul's neck. I mean, this guy is is not only larger in life and in his experiences in history that he has gone through, but also physically. You are a very large individual. You are not a small guy by any means. And so uh, and also to add to this is you're wearing and where he's referencing uh, dressing up for me. He is wearing a tie dye. Be kind uh a yeah. tank top sleeveless tank top showing off all of his many just impressive tattoos to begin with so every ounce of paul you are just impressive all around so i well, I, wanna... I you know what thank you i i appreciate that my and, sister and I, got me this shirt she she wants I, to <laughs> she wants me to always be nice to everybody there you go and also your mom you know your mom appreciates yeah. that so and my mom um... loves this shirt too <laughs> All right. Well, we are just getting fired up with Paul O'Keefe, so don't go anywhere. When we come back from this short break, we're going to talk about Paul's journey that led him to metal urgency. And we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Ignite Your Business Radio. I'm your host, Josh Wilhelm. We're back with Paul Anvil, a.k.a. Anvil O'Keefe, uh, from Metal Ur Urgency. Paul, you have such a unique story. So far, you've told us about your MMA fighter days. Uh, you served our country, which, again, thank you very much. Can't say that enough. And now you have a jewelry business. I imagine that there is more to your business journey that we have not yet uncovered. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about your strategic business decisions here shortly. So what made you choose to have a business partner rather than starting from scratch? And let me add to that is a lot of businesses, when uh, business owners at, at that, when they start off, they often will choose to go kind of solo. You know, they'll go for that solopreneur uh, either because they have no other options or they're like, nah, I don't know if I want to partner that kind of thing. But what made you not go the kind of from scratch direction and instead kind of pair up with someone, uh, that, and as you said, as Jimmy, the jeweler, uh, that you started off with the rough patch in the very beginning, even more the reason, why did you choose Jimmy to then partner with? So, I, I had decided that I wanted to use my creativity and my abilities to put stories into art and make money to not only feed myself and my family, but to give back to wounded veterans. That's a, that's a big thing for me and for my friends is helping others. And to do jewelry, there's a, there's a lot more to it than people think. People look at, you know, a keychain or a diamond ring or whatever. And they think it's just like stamped out of some machine. And some of it is, but high end stuff or things that, you know, are well thought out and made 
are very hard to create. You need casting machines. Um, you need you need to be able to do like wax burnouts. You need molds. You need to be able to sculpt these things. So there's a there's a lot that goes into that. And I knew that I was way behind the power curve in not only having the financial ability to buy all that stuff, but to operate it right off the bat. And I knew that Jimmy, um, who's been a jeweler for many, many years, had the ability to do those things that, that I needed. He, he would be an asset and a tool and a real partner to making my designs into, into a tangible thing. So I called Jimmy up. And I said, look, man, I know that you're, I know that you're doing jewelry on a small scale. I would like to do it on a much larger scale. I would like you to look at some of my designs and some of my art. And if you believe in the things that I show you, let's combine our forces, let's partner up. Let me take your business to the next level with design work. And let's really focus on giving back to people that really need it as far as like veterans go. And when, when we had this first initial meeting and I showed Jimmy my drawings and you know the things that I wanted to create and he kind of looked at me for a long, a long weird pause. <laughs> and, and, and he looked at me and he's like, did you really draw all these things? And did you come up with these concepts? And I was like, well, well, yeah, what did, you know, who else would have done it? And he's like, Paul, I never knew in a million years that you had this artistic ability. And I said, well, you know, you trained me as a salesman and I worked sales and I didn't push, you know, the design stuff too much. I learned my job and I knew my role and I was a salesman for you. I said, but, you know, I can do much more than that. And uh, he was pretty happy when he saw what I could do. And it was just, you know, after that, it was just cranking out piece after piece. He's got the ability to cast it and do all that stuff. And I have the ability to see something in my brain that I know is going to sell and have meaning and create it. And you know what, honestly, it just works. That's great. And, uh, certainly for, again, those that are listening, not being able to visualize like you're wearing one of your pieces now, but, uh, I, really want to make sure that people know that they can come to uh, the episode that we're we're talking about right now, actually on the IgniteRadioShow.com website. Uh, you'll have all your links there for your your website, uh, anything and everything you. that you want to connect to. Uh, but let's, I want to take a second because I found something interesting on your website. Uh, it says that you sell, quote, warfighter jewelry. Uh, can you tell yeah. us more about that? And also, what does it mean to wear the battle as you have it phrased on your website? Sure. Um, that's, I mean, that's the main selling point of our jewelry as opposed to other jewelry companies. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of diamond rings and there's a lot of, you know, butterflies and hearts and all these different things that, you know, that people think of when they think jewelry. For someone that has spent their whole life uh, working on teams and patrolling and, you know, teaching soldiers how to be soldiers and putting their lives in harm's way, that kind of jewelry just isn't really appealing. Right. And so when we say we make warfighter jewelry, we make jewelry for people that 
respect the history of battle, that respect the history of like different warrior cultures from around the world and what they mean in the shaping of, of the world. And, and we make stuff that, you know, it, it's supposed to inspire triumph and courage and all that, all those kind of good things. Right. And when we say where the battle, um, you know, I have a silver piece on today. I wore a different piece today. Um, the silver's cool, the gold's cool, but when we say where the battle, we make things out of, for instance, for the American warfighters or for warfighters, modern warfighters. We take uh, spent brass shell casings from either training facilities or from downrange that I get from different units. And we take those shell casings, we don't clean them, we don't tumble them, whatever dirt's in them, whatever oils from the weapons or hands, that goes into our casting machines and we cast in these spent brass rounds. Hmm. Now, as a military guy or a sniper or you know an infantry guy, if you could get a, a, a cross made out of silver, that's cool. If you could get a cross that's made out of 556 five, brass and then Cerakoted like, like a gun would be so you can wear it on your skin, you are now wearing the battle. You have a piece of the battlefield that means something to you and to the people that are like you, and you are able to wear that, and it just gives the jewelry a little bit more meaning. Hmm. So when we say wear the battle, you're either wearing brass or bronze, because bronze was used in ancient cultures yep. for tools and weapons, and everything has a story. Every piece has a story of triumph. Well, not even just having a story to it. You have so many different levels, like those pieces that we've talked about before. They all have different pieces to it that have different meanings that stand for different yes. things. So it's not sure. even just, yeah, you've got a piece from, you know, on the range that was picked up and used. That's That in itself is cool. Uh, but then you have obviously the pieces that you do even custom for the individuals that are going to wear these or or. or have them hanging around their neck, whatever it might be, there's a story there. But then you have other extra levels to it that oftentimes have different meanings and have yeah. a, a different element that is close and dear to the individual that obviously is wearing it. So I, sure. I love that, that you bring in all of those different elements. So what were you doing before you actually got enlisted? Uh, so in high school and right after high school, uh, I always wanted. I always wanted to be a professional baseball player. I, I I had aspirations of being a professional pitcher. I had a strong right arm, uh, pretty good command of my fastball. I had a lot of movement on my on my pitches. And when I was over in Germany in high school, um, there was an ad in the Stars and Stripes for a tryout uh, for a semi-professional baseball team in Mannheim, Mannheim, Germany. And they were going to pick up some American players to play in this league. I I went to this tryout as a 17-year-old kid in high school. And I was one of two Americans that got picked up to play pro ball over in Europe. And my dad and mom talked about it with me long and hard. And they knew that I wanted to play baseball. Uh, they, I wasn't a very good scholar. Um <laughs> So my dad was like, yeah, you know what? If you want to try this out, that's fine. Uh, we want you to keep up with schoolwork, but 
why not? So I used to ride the, the German train uh, to go play baseball every weekend. And eventually I got traded from the German team to a team in Sarcelles, France, a team in Paris. I played for their team. I'd miss all kinds of school <laughs> and I'd have to make up a bunch of work. But I always thought I was going to play baseball and I had some pretty bad uh, injuries to my right arm and that that stopped that. And I didn't want to go to college. I, I joined the military and followed my dad's footsteps. Got it. That, that is uh, fascinating. Like I said, it just your story keeps unraveling as, as we talk with you. And it's just a fascinating one at that. Can you tell us about the transition of getting out of the Air Force? You know, what, what was the transition like going from, okay, you've got the, the military uh, getting your next job. Uh, share with us, uh, if you don't mind, the, the story uh, behind how you got even into MMA. Um, when I got out of the service, um, I, had, I had a couple options. Um, my commander at the time, um, he, he wanted me to stay in very badly. Uh, I was a pretty skilled squad leader. Uh, I, I knew how to do my job. I knew how to motivate my, my troops. And he wanted me to stay. I was, I was just messed up mentally. I, I, I had done a bunch of deployments. Um, my lungs and larynx were all tore up from our last deployment. Uh, from like smoke inhalation and stuff. And I wasn't doing good mentally. So I opted to get out. Mm. And I could have waited for like eight months and did a bunch of rehab on my lungs and got out and had benefits and done all that stuff. But I just wanted out. So when the time came to re-enlist or not re-enlist, I jumped ship. I didn't stick around to get my lungs worked on. I just got out and started that process with the VA. Uh, which was big mistake, by the way, at that point in time. It was not the right move. I should have got my medical stuff done while I was, you know, physically in the service and still hurting, uh, but I did not do that. So I got out, and that's when I started fighting. Me and my buddy opened a gym. Me and a couple of buddies, we opened an MMA strongman facility, and that was awesome. Ultimately, that closed down. I had a couple clothing lines when I was fighting. I always managed to work into my fight contracts that I got a booth with my clothing line. So, you know, doing that and then having cancer and going into uh, working with Knight Rider and then ultimately leaving Knight Rider, uh, that was the biggest decision I had to make in my life. I was making good money for a good company that was stable. Uh, I enjoyed working for them, but something was missing and I was getting depressed and I, and I didn't feel right. So I told my wife, uh, I was married at the time. I told my wife, hey, I've got to do something else. I am not feeling good. Um, I, I'm not, I, I'm not doing anything physical anymore. I, I'm not lifting. I'm not staying on top of myself and I don't feel good, I need to stop what I'm doing and I need to do something else. Hmm. And she thought I was, she thought I was crazy. You know, we were making good money. Sure. Like, and we had a really nice house in Gilbert, Arizona out here. Bills were paid on time. Kids, you know, were doing well. 
And I dropped this bombshell on her. I was like, look, I got to do something else. So I gave Knight Rider my 90 days notice. Uh, I gave him three months notice that I was going to leave. And what I wanted to do was help veterans. So I called a couple buddies and told them, hey, let's ruck march across the United States as a team and let's raise money for wounded vets. Let's hang out for five or six months together. I haven't seen you guys in forever. Let's get together and let's go walk across the country. Let's meet a bunch of people and let's help some vets. So we started a nonprofit called the Mother of All Rucks and we ruck marched from San Diego to Washington, D.C. and raised a bunch of money for veterans. Wow. And it was the best thing that I could do ever in life, not only for myself, but for other people. But it was something that I had to do, and I would do it a hundred times over again if I had to. I was just going to say, it's it's interesting that, you know, at the start of you even uh, talking about that story is you were saying, look, I, I'm not right. There's something off. You know, I'm not right in my head. So you obviously had uh, enough insight to know something was off with you. Uh, yeah, and, 100%. And, and we know that more than likely, and I, I'm not a psychologist by any means, but it probably had to do something with PTSD, which at the time, you know, you're talking about a few years ago, that probably wasn't as well known and talked about as it is today. Yeah. Uh, it definitely yeah. has gotten a lot more attention over the years, which is a good thing. You know, I, I want to add it's that it's, it's a good thing that, uh, you know, those that are coming out are now being able to reap the benefits of those like yourself that have cried out over the years and said, Hey, we need something for vets coming out because, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot that we go through and we need to be able to process through this properly. But I find it interesting that you notice this about yourself and most people go, look, I got to do something for me, which is where this started because you knew something was up, but then yeah. you immediately poured yourself into the situation and saying, what can I do for others? And I would imagine, yeah. and, and tell me if I'm wrong with this, but I would imagine you didn't go, hey, how can I get benefit, but then also help someone else? It was more like, it sounds, and knowing you and your personality was, how can I help others first? And then probably by accident, you're like, wow, this was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a thinking ahead that, hey, talking yeah. this out across the country, you know, doing this together with other, yeah. you know, guys and brothers in arms that have gone through similar things that all of us talking this out, we didn't even realize was going to be this beneficial to each and every one of us in a different way, probably. Uh, but you, yeah. you didn't know going into it saying at that first step, I'm going to start, here's my, my process going into working on me and, you know, helping yeah. others. Well, I'll tell you what, it, life works in, in like amazing and crazy ways, man. It's, it's so, it's so odd how things come together in life. Um, when I called my buddies to, to do this thing, it's a, that's a big commitment. Like we're going to walk as a team for 22 miles every day to raise awareness for, for, you know, the, the amount of suicides that are happening every day in this country to vets. We're going we're gonna to do this thing. It's going to take you away from your family for months. Your feet are going to get beat up. We're going to be tired. We don't know where we're going to sleep. We don't know where we're going to eat. And we're not making any money. Like our nonprofit, we didn't use 30% for marketing and 30% for food and the rest went to a vet. We were taking in money 
And the money we were taking in, we were giving back all of it. So it got frustrating at times because all of us were going broke. You know, like we were using our own money to eat and to put gas in vehicles and to buy gear. And, and it wasn't like we had a ton of sponsors and, and you know, all this money coming in. We did have some sponsors and, and that was great. But, you know, when you're going six months and you have to drive an RV as a tail vehicle and, you know, you got to eat every day, that, that money racks up real quick. Right. And we weren't using the money out of the, the nonprofit to do that. And it took a long time for people to realize, hey, these guys are really doing this. Like, look at these, look at these guys and this gal, we had a gal named Kelly with us too. Look at what they're doing. And about halfway across the country, we really started getting a lot of support and it was, it was amazing. That's awesome. Uh, that's incredible. All right. When we come back with Paul, AKA Anvil O'Keefe, we're going to learn more about his transition from the army, starting his own business. So don't go anywhere. And we're back with Paul, a.k.a. Anvil O'Keefe from Metal Urgency. Uh, before the break, Paul, we were you were telling us about uh, your time in the Air Force. And I don't think we mentioned this before, but you were in the Air Force. Um, and I learned also, too, and just in our talking back and forth over over time, that you serve kind of in a in a different capacity that a lot of military personnel don't have the opportunity, and I think in some cases the privilege of doing, which is you were able to serve kind of almost with, no pun intended, but boots in kind of two camps. You had it a little bit, you were part of the Air Force. That's that's where you were enlisted. That's, at the end of the day, you are an Air Force man. Uh, but during your service, you actually were serving in both the Army and the Air Force. Is that correct? Well, I, I worked with the Army a lot. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the Army, but I did serve with them, yes. Um, I was I was a security forces guy in the Air Force, and I was very lucky to get selected to be a uh, an instructor for a while at a school called Silver Flag Alpha, where we taught desert warfare. So there was a lot of bleed over uh, to Army tactics, and then the last unit that I was with uh, out in Georgia, they also worked a lot with the Army. So I, I got to do a little bit of both. <laughs> All right, so. Your story, like we talked about earlier, is absolutely amazing, and we've uncovered a lot, but I, I want to continue digging into a little bit more about metal urgency. So you mentioned to me before that you took those months off, you you walked across the country with your your friends, your comrades, your 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 brothers is really what it comes down to. You know, they may not have been blood, but they are blood in other ways. Uh, you guys are some of the best humans on the planet, so I'll just call them family. Yeah, ab absolutely. And that's, I mean, sometimes, you know, that's the way it goes, whether or not military or not. Sometimes you have a closer bond with others than you do even your blood relatives. And that, that just happens sometimes. What are some of the pieces of advice you would give to other people in the armed forces who may need a trip like that when they're in that transition mode from going from the military over into the civilian world? I know you mentioned sure. earlier that 
hey, if I were to do it all over again, I would have stayed those eight months. You know, I, I would have yeah. I would have hunkered down, just get through it, help me health wise. But what would you recommend for those that are thinking about maybe taking that trip like you did or doing something else? Well, you, you mentioned earlier about like uh, veteran business owners and veteran CEOs being on average like 10 years younger mm -hmm. than their civilian counterparts. There's a reason for that. You know, when you go in the military, you're a young guy or gal usually. You're usually going in at 18. Right. Because you don't have any direction or you want to get school paid for or that's what your dad did. But you're going in out of high school most times. So by the time you're done with your first four years and maybe you're transitioning out, you're still pretty young. And, and it works the other way too. You got these young kids that are getting out that maybe they're not mature enough to get mm -hmm. out yet. Yep. You know, they just want out because, hey, I, I hate this. You know, I don't want to deploy anymore. I don't like being yelled at. I don't like being told what to do. Right. You need to be thinking well ahead. Like uh, maybe, maybe you have two years left in the military. You need to be searching for what you're going to do after in that time frame. It can't be, hey, I've got three months. I'm going to get out. What am I going to do? Sure. That that's almost a recipe for disaster. Um, I think the military is doing a better job of prepping uh, service members for that transition. Okay. Now, um, I think there needs to be more education prior to getting out um, of what you're going to encounter when you do get out as a civilian. I, I would tell these these troops that need some guidance to start looking for it early because, because if you don't, it's going to be real rough when you get out. Well, and I've learned too, in talking with other veterans like yourself is there, like we discussed about, there's more of a understanding and because it's being brought out into the, the front uh, lines, if you will, of uh, the media and everyone's paying more attention to the PTSD that it's also another added benefit is these programs are being brought more to light. They still sure. have a ways to come in terms of being so out there and well-known and talked about. But what I'm hearing from you is be intentional. Be intentional with your time. Be intentional. And, and do the research. It's there. There are programs there for you, but you have to know where and how to look. So you've got to spend that time and being able to do the research. And unfortunately, no one's just going to give you the tools. And a big thing with military folks is the structure you know like every day you're getting up you're doing pt you're going to you know you're going to your job you're done at five and you're you know doing something for training that week at the end of the week and whatever you you need to stay kind of focused on that type of regiment for yourself because if you get out and all of a sudden physically you're not doing something you're not running anymore you're not you know doing extracurricular activities, you can easily get depressed when you start getting fat and out of shape yep. and you know you don't have that drive anymore. Those things need to still happen. When you get out, I I really recommend to you know troops getting out, go find a gym, go find a jujitsu gym, go, you know, find a hobby, take up archery, learn to hunt, like do something to keep your mind and body stimulated so you're not depressed when 
you know, when that wall hits and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Well, and it sounds like you found obviously art as your uh, medium, if you will, that yeah. helped you through art this. Art and punching people in the face. <laughs> well, there's an art to that as well. So that, uh, yeah, it, there it, is for sure. It, it works together. All right. So you know, on, can I, can I tell yeah. you a quick, like course. real quick story? Sure. So when I got out of the service and I was not good mentally, I was very lucky that my family understood what I was going through. Not only, you know, not only my folks, but my sister. Uh, man, I, I told myself I wouldn't do this. So when I got out of the service and I was not doing well, my sister allowed me to live in her house uh, rent-free and she allowed me to just be a bum. Mm. And that's, I don't want to see that happen to other people. I, I, I lived in her house. I, I stayed holed up in my room with my dog. And all I did every day was paint sure. because it kept my mind working. But I, I wasn't looking for work. I wasn't out, you know, going to the gym. I wasn't doing the things to take care of myself that I needed. But I had somewhere to be, and if I didn't have my sister, man, I'd be dead. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be homeless, and I'd be, or I'd be dead. Well, and not everybody has that. Yeah, and I, I think that's that is extremely important. Is you have to find someone out there. And you and I have had this discussion too, talking about before is the only ones that can truly understand even what you have gone through are other veterans themselves. And, yeah. and the same goes for you understand with the younger guys and gals coming out now that you know where they're at because you've, you've been down that road, you've taken the journey and you've learned along the way yeah. of what you did right and what you did wrong. I know a lot of servicemen and women that join up come from broken homes, or they also too don't have family. So they're like, you know what? I need to have a sense of belonging. I have, I need to have a sense of right. team. Like I'm part of something greater than myself. And so they're drawn to that. And it definitely has that capability. But also too, when you get out, it's don't forget, you still have the band of brothers mentality. You still have those that have got your six, as you said, and even in your jewelry. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. people like yourself that can reach out to you and say, hey, I, I'm here for you. If you got nobody else, call me. I don't have I don't have anything that's that important in my life where I can't take a call from someone or say, hey, I got something going on with my daughters right now. If you call me tomorrow at three, let's talk. Sure. I don't I, I am not that important of a person where I can't help someone else. I don't want to see another person struggle like I did. I don't want to see another person contemplate suicide or commit suicide. I was in a dark, dark spot for a long time. And that drives me to do what I'm doing now for others because I don't want people to be in that spot. It's not fun. No. And it's just, it's a terrible way to live. Well, and talking about giving back uh, for a second on the business side, <clears throat> What advice would you give to businesses that, you know, obviously the business owner who wants to pursue the philanthropic partnerships like you have, what, what yeah. suggestions would you give to them in starting, you know, where, where do you start with that? Oh man, you know, you have to do your research with 
the organizations that are out there and the nonprofits that are out there and really do your research and see whose mission you believe in. There's so many nonprofits out there that are doing great things that call us on a day-to-day -day basis and say, hey, can you donate something for an auction or can you, you know, help sponsor this event we're doing? I always wanna help and I always wanna tell people yes, but I have partners behind me that are a lot smarter with the finances than I am because I'm the yes guy. I'm the, let's make this, let's do this. Sure. But at the end of the day, if, if we don't keep our doors open, I can't keep providing money to the businesses that we've already vetted and said yes to. When we decide to do those things, sometimes we have to say no to other businesses even though their mission is just as important right. and they're just, they're doing things perfectly, but I can't give away everything we make or I nope. won't have a business. So you've got to grow the business. You have to be profitable in order to have, not only keep your lights on, keep your employees, staff, which those are also your family too, but yeah. you've then got to be able to have leftovers in order to be able to go out to the community and say, Okay, now we're also can help you out because if you can't, if you can't keep the lights on, you can't keep the bills paid, well, you're of no good to anybody else. You can't, there's nothing left for you to give to anybody right. and help them. Let, let's shift over to uh, th this. I feel like, holy cow, we just did a therapy session all on our own. And I'm, I'm like uh, just emotionally drained at this point. So we're, we're going to ratchet it up on the okay. part that you're uh, emotionally, but also just this is the spark within you. Uh, and this is the artistic side. I want to take a second and, and shift over to your products that you have on your website. And I have to add my favorite product that you have on metal urgency is the goat uh, pendant because for those that are not familiar, Michael Jordan is considered to be the goat. Um, and uh, yes, we're holding up a piece of Michael Jordan right there. Uh, so LeBron, which hats off to LeBron and the uh, Lakers for winning their championship. Congratulations. Recently. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, LeBron is great, but I think we both can agree that MJ, MJ is the OG. That was a little bit of a tongue he is, twister. Man. Yes. Without, without a doubt, like he's a, he accomplished a lot and he pushed teams to win and he's, he's the man, like you can't compare him to anybody. Absolutely. And, and if I can make any recommendation, there is a special, I believe it's on Netflix still, uh, or it was done by uh, ESPN, the 30 by 30 recently mm -hmm. with uh, Jordan Story from when he the was. The Last Dance. Yeah, The Last Dance. And that yeah. is an incredible series. So I highly recommend that. It's a but, good one. Uh, yes, basketball sir. aside, when you came into your existing company that you're, you're a part of now and you're a big part of it, uh, how many products did your partner have and how many do you have today? I, I want to say he had maybe like seven or eight. And I. And, it could be 12 or it could be five, but seven, somewhere in there, seven sure. or eight products. He was mainly selling diamonds, like diamond rings. He's a diamond broker. Got it. So he had a few. Uh, now, I we might have 100 SKUs in two years. So, I mean, we stay busy. Okay. We're doing Kobe right now. We're doing a piece uh, to give money to the Mamba and Mamba Sita Foundation okay. uh, that, that helps uh, female athletes. Um, and you know, it was a tragedy when we lost him and his daughter. Absolutely. So we're the next 
the next piece that we're doing that's you know a legend piece is uh, a kobe piece all right so uh paul it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here on ignite your business radio show so before we go though uh, a couple of last questions uh what are your goals with jimmy the jeweler who's obviously your business partner what are your your yep. two of your goals uh, that you have for metal urgency moving into the future okay so we we've we've been working on the warfighter jewelry uh the biker style stuff rock star stuff and we're doing very well with that uh we've kind of created a foothold in you know doing doing the metals that that aren't silver and gold we're doing the bronze and the brass now we're trying to step out and you know as a tree grows it, it you know it, it it unfolds and has many right. branches uh, we're doing the the legend stuff. I, I haven't even kind of come up with a good name for it, but like doing the Jordan stuff and the Kobe stuff, and that's going to bleed into the sneaker culture because I'm a huge sneakerhead. Mm. Um, we're also going to do comic Comic Con and horror conventions. We want to create the same level of detailed jewelry in all these different facets because. What's out there, in my opinion, isn't that great. There's a couple really good companies, Chrome Hearts, King Baby, Knight Rider. There's a few really good companies that you know are in this market. We want to be in that market too, but we also want to branch out and do more. Got it. And you know, in the next five, 10 years, if I can not only provide money for you know individuals that are in need but provide a good lifestyle for all of my partners and their families. That's our goal. Awesome. Last two questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, what is the last book that you read or that you are currently reading? So I, I haven't been reading anything currently, but the last book I read and then reread and also listened to on audiobook <laughs> was Fearless. Um, it is the Adam Brown story. It's a story about a, uh, a young man that struggles early in life, then becomes a Navy SEAL, uh, well-decorated Navy SEAL. And I won't give away the book, but the book is outstanding. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest it. it it'll, it'll really put life in perspective for you. Well, we'll definitely put a link up for, uh, for that book for people to easily be able to find, uh, both for audio as well as uh, purchase the paperback. Uh, lastly, and uh, I, I'm most curious about this one at the tail end of closing out our, our discussion together, but what's that quote that gets you up out of bed? You're like, nope, I, I gotta I gotta turn on Anvil right now and we gotta do yeah. this. What, what's that quote? So this, this might seem cliche for a lot of my veteran friends or your veteran listeners. Uh, it's something that we used to always say when I was an instructor. I've heard my dad say it. I've seen it on t-shirts when when life sucks you got to deal with it right so when you don't want to do something and you know you have to you just have to embrace the suck whether you're in a firefight and you're pinned down and you're you know you're you're down on rounds and and you don't know how you're going to get out of it you just got to embrace it and make the right decisions to keep moving forward same thing in life you know when you're tired when you're hungry when you're struggling when you know you need to get to the gym, you just got to embrace it, embrace the suck and be part of it and, and get through it. And once you're done with it, it's all good. Yep. It's get through it. Uh, pick yourself back up. I mean, there's multiple ways that people have, have phrased that. And I might have some more colorful words added in there when I think it in my head, but that's it. 
All good. Raise the sock, buddy. Exactly. All right. So to learn more about uh, the work that Paul, a.k.a. Anvil O'Keefe, at Metal Urgency is doing, visit IgniteRadioShow.com and look for this episode. More than likely, we're probably going to have to break this episode up and uh, share it in a couple different bite-sized pieces because we went well over. But I highly recommend to uh, all of our listeners, if you get a chance, listen to the full version of this episode. There is so much insight, so much inspiration that is unpacked in this entire episode. But uh, there you can find a recording of this episode like we're talking about, as well as information you may need to get in touch with Paul himself. I hope the information that Paul shared today helped light the fuse inside of you and ends up taking your business to the next level. I'd like to thank our guests today, our production team, our engineering team, and most of all, all of you listening. Until next week, I'm your host, Josh Wilhelm. Have a great and successful rest of your week, everybody.